to Book Pile Banter. This is Amberly with Sarah and Kim. Today we're going to discuss The Dragon Republic, which is by R.F. Huang. Um, to get more information about the author, we recommend going back to the Poppy War book. That's where we discuss the author. And the plot for this one is with the end of the third Poppy War, peace is not guaranteed. Rin make, makes the choice to go after Daji while grappling with the guilt of her own choices and actions of the past. Because that seemed like the easiest way to sum up this book because so much happens in it. <laughs> I got to the end of it and I was like, I need to think about the plot. And I'm like, where did this plot even begin? <laughs> so, Sarah, what did you think of this book? Yeah. Um, it was pretty good. Good, good. Uh, biggest impression is that I was glad to see Neza again. I figured as much. I, I think, in fact, Kim and I were discussing it at one point, And I said, well, Sarah will like this one at least because Neza comes back. Yeah. And I was like, I know you're going to disappoint me. That's fine. And you'll probably end up dying before this series is over because that's what happens to all my favorites. But, you know, it's good to have you here while you're here. Well, you can't die easily, so... I think he deserves... That's what they say about all the shamans. And then they get, like, shot and they just die. I'm like... God. Guess they're not so special after all. Suni and Baji, I was devastated. And then I honestly barely remembered them, so I was like, oh, two dead characters. Ramsa, what about though? Ramsa? Oh, that one. That one hurt. That one hurt. See, so Unigan and Enki were smart to get out while they did. They were like, fuck this. Yes. <laughs> And they are theoretically still alive somewhere, so, you know. Uh, which ones? Uh, Unigen, or however you pronounce it, the Fox Shapeshifter and Enki. Oh, yeah, I forgot They took off, talk off after Rin just, like, burned the shit out of Unigen. Which, so, yeah. like, I don't blame him. I'm like, that's a smart choice, my dude. Yeah, yeah. Well, and Shagan is still out there. Yeah, in theory. No, he is. Well, I mean, he is, but, like, he's yeah. pretty busy oh, with uh, some stuff. I'm sure he's going to come back. Yes. It's if Neza came back after being dragged off through toxic gas, I think we can assume that people who are not yet dead, and maybe even some <laughs> that are, will probably reappear at some point in some form. Oh, man. So, Kim, what did you think of this book? I like it. Um... I, 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 in the beginning, I was like, we're going to have to do this whole drug thing throughout. Um, yes, that was also luckily, my concern. Yeah, but luckily she uh, finally wrote it into where she, you know, decided that she was going to make different choices, which, yay. Um, yeah. And And I appreciate the fact that as the drugs come up, there is an acknowledgement of the desire and and it, and it the writer isn't just okay we're done with this part of the storyline yeah. now you know she's that, cured she's just fine yeah everything's good um but no there is always present yeah yeah so she and and the character acknowledges that that there is an addiction and she's got to be she's got to have a handle on it um yeah. once that worked itself out i i flew through the book pretty fast i enjoyed it 
Um, I'm enjoying it better than I did the first one. But again, there was so much drug addiction in, in the first one that I, I, it, it kind of really threw off the whole story for me. Um, and I thought the battle was well played out. Um, the realities of it. Um, yeah. It was kind of hard to read it as um, an American because you know we're we're represented in the Hesperias and and um, they're not depicted very well in this book at all. And then I'm like going, you know what, Kim? It's about time that your people are thrown under the bus rather than every other culture on the planet thrown under the bus like is is typical. And so you know I'm like, yeah, that's I, cool. I actually it's not wrong. <laughs> I marked a part. Let me see. I gotta find it real quick. Let me see here. So it's during the discussion with Petra. And I loved drawings of Nakara people covered every page. They were heavily annotated. Rin couldn't decipher the scrawling flat Hesperian script, but several phrases popped out. See eye fold indicates lazy character. Sallow skin, malnutrition question mark. On the last page, Rin saw a heavily annotated drawing of herself that would have been must have been done by Petra. Rin was glad that Petra's handwriting was far too small for her to decipher. She didn't want to read any conclusions about herself. And I just like I thought about this and like that is so true. Our history as white people, we made assumptions about other people's intelligence and health based on their appearance. And I love the fact throughout the book they're talking about the Hesperians and they're like, they're so white. You can see their veins. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. That is kind of gross, it was isn't it? <laughs> I thought it was interesting them going the, the, the discussion of consuming milk. Um, yeah. Because I've heard this in the past that, that non-milk drinkers can smell people who drink milk and eat cheese. They can smell it on them. And yeah. I, I've I I don't drink milk, but I do eat cheese, and cheese, I don't. Yeah, I I I've never smelt it, but yeah, it's a thing. But at the same time, having lived in Japan, which is not China, yeah. but having lived in Japan, and seeing the difference between the two generations of when they started drinking milk, and when prior to drinking milk, um, yeah, they're a much larger people now that they. Drink more milk are being taller broader taller, and they stand up straighter um because they don't have as much many problems with uh osteoporosis and and yeah and that sort of thing but yeah it's it's a thing i actually sure. i'll be honest i i loved the fact that that it was mentioned that they smelled like curdled milk and i was like you know what no we we deserve that because how many times we go oh you've got your stinky food you know, yeah. and we not being like literally us, but like our people, like the white people, the white, people. you know, <laughs> the white people shaming people because their food has more spices and seasonings than ours do. I've had that. I had someone actually come up to me at work one time and they were like, have you smelt so-and-so's food? And it was whatever diversity the person was. I can't remember them. I'm like, it's so stinky. And I was like, no, it's not. And they're like, Yeah. It's so stinky. I can't believe they let them eat this in here. It's like, who the fuck are you to tell someone they can't eat food? There are only two <laughs> things that are banned in the office. Popcorn, <laughs> microwave popcorn, and fish. You shouldn't eat fish in, at work. It's, it's, it's disgusting. 
that's the only two things other than that eat what you want i don't care what you yeah. like but yeah, when this author, I loved the fact that it was such simple things that I was like, God, we we do this to other people. So yes, mm-hmm. please do it back to us. Come on. Talk about how weird and gross we are. And I love the they're really tall and they have really broad jaws. And it's said in such like a disgusted manner. <laughs> I liked the um devilish blue eyes. Yes. Like, how could you have light eyes unless you're possessed by the devil? so yeah what about you sarah did you enjoy those parts those commentaries was there any that stuck out to you um the uh the one where she i think rin when they're getting out of the um this the air balloon or whatever uh she says they their hair that it was all the wrong colors like copper and and yeah that kind of made me chuckle um (laughs) And it was interesting seeing the descriptions from, you know, a different point of view like that. Um, yeah. But mostly it was just like, yeah, this, this is, this feels legit to like all the, you know, all the things that historically European and white folk have done yeah. uh, to others um, with their crusades and whatnot. So all like the religious shit and all that and like seeing Rin like kind of identify with some of the stuff that they were saying I was like no don't don't do it don't get taken in I do not want to have to deal with this religious like I don't know oh I was not excited about but I did want to see these people get their asses kicked so I'm hoping that happens in the next book it's like get out I'm not I'm not holding my breath for it because like it, this is based on, because it actually says in the beginning of this book, it says, Rin's story continues in this acclaimed sequel to the Poppy War, an epic fantasy combining the history of 20th century China with the gripping world of gods and monsters. And so I'm like, oh, this isn't, I know this isn't going to end well. Like, instinctually, I know it's not going to end well. But I think we've already gotten um good representation as, of what have happened to missionaries throughout the world as they go Mm -hmm. and they try to push their religion down other cultures throats and they end up slaughtered yeah not stopped as a whole but the group but this group dead and and it happens has happened in the past happens presently it's it's pretty prevalent and you think we could just learn to leave well enough alone but apparently not well you know well, you have to be the supreme beings, clearly. Mm. And anything that is other is dangerous and we must annihilate. That's that's the takeaway from this story, right? That's what you guys got? If, for anyone yeah. who can't hear it in my voice, I am being sarcastic. Sarcastic. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, 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 I loved that about this book. The, the whole looking at something that, you know when we're in school it's oh you know we went into china and we helped them we saved them from themselves we united them we you know we civilized them that's the what the big one that's always said yeah. as as and what the hysterians were talking about yeah, yeah. Like when you get civilization will help you out so you yeah. know you're not civilized now you're just animals basically yeah. wobbling in the mud and it's like who are you to determine what civilization is? 
particularly since they've been a civilization longer. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't. Okay, so Hesperia isn't just the United States. It's it's Europe. So it's, it's Europe. It's, the consortium yeah, is clearly yeah. the United States. Yeah. Um. Well, and I loved the whole nod to the fact that they just got over a major war. I'm like, oh, this is clearly you know World War Two. It's exactly exactly what it's talking about. Are they really so great if they had a war themselves? And in fact, I think Rin says that at point. She's like, why are they so great if they were just fighting a war too? Is it they during a time things. period that's so recent? Yeah. I thought this was more further back. No, we're looking at like, like world, maybe World War One, but we're looking at early 1900s, the 20th century. Hmm. So you're looking at the, because the Opium Wars were in the 1800s, I want to say. I don't know. Let me see here. Oh, yeah, post-World War II era of Chinese Civil War. Yeah, because the first yeah. Opium War is in 1839, which would be the first Poppy War in this book. Um... And so what we're looking at here is when, let me see here. Uh, we're looking at like Cold War era stuff. Um, when Mao was about to take over and this is, you know, looking at similar to what happened in Vietnam and Korea, where they get that splitting of the North and the South. Um, so this is all a replication of that time frame when we made the decision to go into all of these countries and like dictate to them how they had to function. I don't think it's function. so much the splitting of the north and the south as it is the splitting of the the entirety of Taiwan from China. Um, yes, not Taiwan, yes. sorry, Korea. Yeah. The splitting of Korea from China. Uh Give me just a second. My brain's glitching. Are you sure this is supposed to be? I don't think this is. Maybe it is. I don't know. I I I was just saying that it's it's the that that continued because it happened because Vietnam happened the same as we went into these countries and we we there was those who were with us and those who were against what we wanted. Um, so it was basically communism versus whatever we as white people were dictating at the time was the democracy. Um, and it was even happening in China, although they didn't get that, that segregation of North and South in the way that Korea and Vietnam did, but it's communism versus democracy. Um, it's kind so of I what think this, this is, is setting up for. The, the only thing that made me think that this is Korea and and there was the Korean War and and China was involved in it, is talking about how dark the Southerners were and talking a lot mm -hmm. about how the South. And I don't believe there's ever been a strong shift between North and South in Korea, but or not in Korea in China, but there was. Um, conflict between korea and china and then korea splits into two north korea going communism and south korea going um democratic hmm. 
but I don't I don't know the history well enough to to know for sure. Yeah. Um. Only to, I, the only reason why I'm like I'm not sure is just because I know this was supposed to be heavily heavily China's history, not so much Korea's history. Um. And yeah, I don't know. And, yeah, because that's what the author she she has. Oh, where is it? Um, she has a graduate degree in modern Chinese studies. Um, so like, obviously she's the authority on this and we're going off of an American education as to what all of this is supposed to be with none of us specializing in Chinese history, obviously, for any readers who are like, oh, you're getting this totally wrong. It is possible that we are. I just know that Mao's the influence behind it and that it is looking at that inspiration of of the white populations the british coming in and dictating in china how they should function i mean there was a time where um the british the french they were all in controlling uh, i want to say beijing but i don't know if that's the city that i am thinking it is so um and there was like all these weird murders and stuff and that's how i know about it because true crime because i'm a white woman and true crime <laughs> so uh, so what did you guys think of Ren in this book I'm annoyed it took her an entire another book to get a brain okay okay stop letting people tell her what to do when to do it and how to do it she is a very good soldier at, at pointing her in a direction and she just goes <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I do understand the urge to just not have to make decisions as an indecisive person who is always worried about the outcome. It's like, good, just tell me what to do and I will do it. That's all I want. But at the same time, well, and reading the books, you have the perspective and the knowledge that she is definitely not really kind of, she's kind of walking herself into a trap sort of situation. Yeah. You know? um, not that she can see it. I mean, I don't like her. I, I do want to make it clear that I do not like her as a person, but I do think she's a reasonably well done character. I don't know that she's supposed to be likable, as odd as that is. I I, I mean, that might be the case because I have no problem like following along her story and like rooting for her. But at the same time, I'm like, I would yeah. not like you in real life. And and I, I wish I she think... would just make decisions. She just doesn't make decisions. Two entire books, and she won't make a damn decision. Um, to be fair, anytime she attempts to make a decision, she makes the wrong decision. I know. But I think it's not so much the wrong decision is that she lets people tell her what to do until she gets tired of being told what to do, and then she just does the opposite. And and just doing the opposite isn't making a decision; it's just being stubborn. Whereas no, now she, I think she's getting to where she's making decisions. Well, I, I think, I mean, the, the big decision is she made the decision that she wanted to go after Daji. She had no clue how she wanted to do it. And she decided to, uh, like, basically put her services up for Basira. So those were choices she made. She didn't make good choices. Okay, so, but I would argue that she was letting the death of Altan 
guide her wanting to kill the Daji. Um, yeah. Which, again, wasn't a choice. It was a reaction. Um, yeah. And then she gets manipulated. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, and- I... It- so, I don't hate her. I'm enjoying the story. I'm enjoying her story. Um, I just wish she had a bit more agency in her choices. And I think from here on out, it's agency. I think she's going to be making choices. I think she's going to be leading the group. Um, but we've been listening to people tell her she should be leading for two two books now. And, and um, you know. So it's really funny because of the oh, things shit. that you were guys. Amber, we need to pause. So what I was going to say is, um, you know, you guys are talking about how you don't particularly like her. And while I don't love her as a character, I actually, I really like the fact that in the first book, she doesn't really trust that she has the knowledge to make decisions. And she very easily gets herself manipulated. And in this book, she thinks she knows how to make decisions. And still allows herself to get manipulated. And I think by the third book, she's finally going to have the confidence. And it's kind of refreshing compared to a lot of other books where you have the female heroine. And they just know. They know what to do. They always make the right choice. Everyone just defers to them when they don't have a knowledge base that actually, like... My first thought is compared to, like, A Court of Thorns and Roses. Freaking Feyre is leading an army, even though she has no training. Reese is, like, you know giving her that agency even though he's been fighting for like 500 years and we're just supposed to accept that like it's fair she just knows how to make the choices at the very least i've gotten to this point and i've been like you know what no rin has had enough real life situations that she might finally understand how to make the decisions and you know i can trust that she might finally have the knowledge base to start thinking for herself better than she has in the past um so she feels the most realistic out of heroines that I've read. I do agree. I was going to actually mention something about that, like when we were talking about <laughs> it earlier. It's like, it's nice to just have, a, you know, like a heroine that isn't just like magically knowing all the answers or makes the wrong decisions and it still works out. That, yeah. Just absolutely peachy. Um, no, the reason I, mean- I don't really like Rin is because I just don't really agree with like her morality, I guess. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like the whole indecisiveness, like I totally get that. And I found it refreshing, even if it's like kind of frustrating sometimes. It's like, oh, you're making, you're doing the wrong thing here. It's like, <laughs> I still, you know, never got exasperated with her. It was always not relatable, but understandable. And I love the fact that like, she has romantic interests and it fucks her over. They don't magically change to her side. They don't, you know see her way and just like change their entire existence because you know she loves them <laughs> it's she that needs to she stop gets tricked. having romantic interests because she has bad taste in <laughs> men sarah would disagree <laughs> um so far she hasn't made good choices i don't know sarah do you think she's making good choices and who she has attraction to or you just like those characters and still yeah, think they're just, bad choices. I don't know that there's a lot of choice behind attraction, but um <laughs> I mean I didn't like Altan very much. Yeah. So like and I really did not like their dynamic with 
it potentially being a romance. I was not into that. Um, I think Neza, that was all in her head. Yeah, it, that's the thing. Like, it never felt like a like anything yeah. romantic there. So then, when they're like referencing it or that she loved him, I was like, "Did you love him platonically?" Or because I'm not really seeing romantic I love. She in there. started to love him platonically, and then her brain and the seal fucked her over and made her start to think it was romantic. Because I always got the impression that like Alton and uh, Chagon had something kind of going on. Like they might I mean, have that actually was certainly been... suggested much more. Like it was suggested in the previous book, and then in this book, it kind of like doubled down on it with like yeah, that guy's memories or whatever vision yeah. or whatever they saw. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Um, um. So yeah, I don't think it was ever truly romantic. I think the seal messed with her thought process and oh, tried maybe to. She just decided she was in love it. with him because she yeah. was supposed to be because they were both spearly. Both spearly. Um, and but that's not how romance works real. yeah <laughs> anyways you were gonna say and then neza uh neza i was like okay that could be interesting but then for some reason she was never sure if she liked him or hated him and i was like okay um and then i mean with this kind of book and it being like the second middle of a trilogy i was like well if there is a romance here it's not gonna be long lasting or go very well (laughs) which it didn't um so again i didn't really put much stock into that potential either i was just happy to see neza around um yeah i mean i really hope that she doesn't like try to write a romance with kite if that's how you pronounce his name katai katai okay I don't have the audio version, so yeah, uh, I um, don't want that either. I like them just being like because I feel siblings. like they have a really good platonic or or like familial Sibling. connection. Yeah. Like it's very yeah. brotherly. So if like she suddenly starts going romantic on it, I'm gonna be like vomiting in a toilet because I'll be like, yeah, there's things in my head. yeah. I don't think it will. Um, I think it's surpassed that point where it could have. Um. Do I think either of them will ever actually end up with a romantic partner at this point? I don't think so. I think is they... anyone going to survive? At the end of this I point? know. We I don't know. know. But like, so if in theory they survive, I think they would just choose to live together and just be cohabitating together. If if they could ever be peaceful, I don't know that they're going to live. Uh, particularly because Rin really didn't know how to imagine a life beyond war, so. Yeah, she just wants to battle for the rest of her life. Yeah, I, I think I think Katai might live. I think they're going to pull, like, the twins and manage to... But they don't know how to break it. They'll have to figure no, out how yeah. to break it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, um, uh, if one of them dies at this point, both yeah. dead. But I don't, I don't think Rin... I mean, she's she isn't capable of having children. She made the choice to not have children. Not that that is, like, the pre- prerequisite to be in a romantic relationship. Um... She doesn't make healthy relationship choices because she has no healthy relationship examples at all. And I just, I, I think, I think her and Neza are going to go down in a blaze of glory of love hating each other. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't think there's any other way about it. And I think it's that, I mean, as you, I think one of you pointed out, it's that fine line of love hate. Is it truly love, or do you just hate them enough that it feels like love? 
Yeah, yeah. It, and that is, I mean, they, they say... I mean, he literally stabbed her in the back. Literally yeah. stabbed her in the back. Can it really go anywhere? <laughs> no. I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, ultimately but, punched her in the face and she loved him, so, you know. As I say, however, for Rin... <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. She she does not have healthy coping skills. Again, not surprising when one is orphaned and then used as basically a built-in shopkeeper um, and then goes off to military school. <laughs> Nowhere in there is someone going to And then is okay, used as a weapon down. of mass destruction. Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's sit you down and discuss about how to have a healthy relationship because this is important for your future. No, <laughs> it's not happening. Um, I did love Benka by the end of this, though. Like, I, like I, I was I was so proud of her when Rin was like, you don't have to come with us. And she's like, fuck yes, I do. Like, yes! Break! Break your your rich family bonds. Well, and, and recognize that there's somebody that actually understands what you, doesn't understand specifically, can't empathize yeah. but can sympathize with what you've been through but understands that you you back up those that need backing up and yeah. she needs backing up because everyone else has decided that she's worthless because of something that she can't control yeah oh man when she was like i we when they were talking about how she needed someone to cover her and she's like i know the perfect person is like it better be venka if it's not venka and then it was i was so happy it's like just because this poor woman has experienced rape and someone has um what is the word i'm looking for physically like disformed mm -hmm. her i can't i can't think of that's actually the word i'm looking for um the fact that rin could still see value in her and recognize that people do still have value even if they're not what they originally were was amazing i loved it mm -hmm. i think it was my that was rin's best choice Hands down, Rin's best choice. Yep. Um, okay, I'm trying to think of what did you guys think of the fact that Neza has the dragon in him? I mean, since that's brought up in like the prologue, I don't know. Do that... you think it's the dragon emperor? the dude yeah no i didn't put those two together i just figured there was like a dragon god that he oh, has a connection see, to i suspect it is the dragon lord emperor um because they said that the bond can't be broken or the bond kills them all so i think he's still alive and at one point they talk about the fact that they don't know how the gods actually alter the people that they inhabit because none of them have been allowed to actually like exist beyond their use once they start to go mad they get put into home uh, uh, a como a, a comoto state um and so it makes me wonder if the dragon emperor got shunned in some capacity and then in the process actually transformed into the dragon or is just referred to as the dragon, and that is actually him. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, no. So I don't think. I want to know. Um, 
because they're implying when he went into that tunnel other than becoming taken over by the god the dragon god or whatever whatever they're implying there there's strong strong implication that he was abused is everybody else getting that or is that just me am i just reading into this yeah i kind of got that too but then i was like uh... like from in what capacity that there's somebody else in that cave and he abused him oh yeah yeah that's why why i think the dragon is actually the dragon emperor I, i think that's who that is and is sexually abusing this little this this probably i I, I don't know i i mean i it's a possibility i mean clearly there was some abuse going on because i don't i don't think neza has like i think he's a conduit not like and not in the conduit in the same way that other shamans are it's more like someone is protecting him not necessarily that he has control of it yeah so when I, he's in I, distress he asks for help And yeah, yes, I, I think his dad totally sacrificed him up, was like, oh, have at it. I mean, yeah, considering what we saw him do by the end of the book, it's like, yeah, it, it seems in line with what well, he would do. And they talk about the fact that Neza looks like the Dragon Emperor. Which leads me to mm-hmm. then think that, that... I mean, the Dragon Emperor looks it's... like both of, or all three of the, the Yin dudes. She mentions that he looks like um, Jinza, or again, however you pronounce his name, um, but like without the arrogance or something. And I thought yeah. she also saw a connection to Neza's father as well. But um, well, so it was just kind of like me... a familial uh, sort of connection. That leads me to think that somewhere along the way, he he did something with someone to introduce his blood into this family line. So it could be that there has been abuse and it's not just to a little boy. Who knows? Yeah. So. God, I'm trying to think of what else to talk about. Any other I mean, parts I, of it? They- with Neza being the dragon dude, I did kind of figure that um, we would get like the whole dragon versus phoenix and like water versus fire conflict a lot sooner like by the <laughs> middle of this book so i was surprised that it took as long as it did um yeah i was not surprised only because like we we had to set up for um the dragon warlord to the Hesperians, we clearly had set up for the Hesperians to be able to take over and conquer at some point. And so yeah. I felt like it had to progress to that point where she could properly break away once the Hesperians took over. Um so yeah, it, it didn't it didn't surprise me in that capacity i'm trying to think i yeah i was a little like i was a little thrown off with the portion where we were doing the long river combat yeah like i really thought that that was gonna like end with the dragon victory and then like then we have to deal with the dragon empire or the dragon republic actually being 
corrupt yeah not an actual republic not a true republic and all that so that's where i kind of figured that would all set into motion but instead we had to go through the whole little oh look everything's going fine oh no now we're losing (sighs) which is one of the things that did kind of a not annoy me but tired me out with this book is just like it goes through these very um predictable beats of like and i think it did this in the other book too where it's like things go well but you know it's not going to keep going well something terrible is going to happen and it's going to get really bad and they're going to lose all hope and then suddenly something will be pulled out and turn the tide and then it'll be like oh victory and then it turns out the victory is not true victory and then they're in a bad situation again and then they have to you know run away or fight for their life again and it's just i wish they weren't so obvious these and actually obviously i don't know the history well enough um but knowing that this is about Mao, like kind of looking at Mao and everything like that um they're actually throughout the late 1800s early 1900s china did go through a series of battles rebellions wars where no one really like won people were just suppressed and particularly under Mao's rule, there was a lot of just suppression and a lot of action taken to suppress reactions to communism. Not that he was actually ever really successful at fully stopping those suppressions. Um, so that might just be that there are clear historical beats that we don't, I don't know the breakdown for, that these battles are supposed to line up with in terms of that, that struggle to gain power. I suppose that could be true, but it's also just the kind of beats that every like YA book that involves like war and stuff goes through. So it's just like, it started to feel like a really, not generic, because again, I do think this was really well written and developed and and built up. But at the same time with the pace, I was like a little, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. Um, Underwhelmed, I guess, with what I was getting, because I just kind of expected more. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, I I could, I don't know that I agree completely because I feel like a lot of the times in books with war, there's like, you win, you win, you lose, you lose, you win. And none of these ever felt like win, win, wins. Um, I felt like they were, they did the best, but never that they clearly won a battle. Because even the last big battle, she doesn't kill Daji. Daji escapes. And that doesn't, feel like a true win for me um you know it doesn't come off as like the turning of the times tides at helm's deep in lord of the rings it it definitely feels like these battles are processed differently a little bit i don't know do you agree kim do you disagree well i i think they're more based on the realities of war and the realities of um some people are right and some people are wrong but not everybody there's not one person that's right depending on your your perspective of what is happening is whether it's right or wrong um so and and that's where while it annoys me that's where rin makes a great um person to view this through because she keeps thinking 
that the person she is most recently encountering is the one that's right. Um, I think she's also a good character to take you through these actual wars from a fantastical point of view. Yeah. Um, and learning the history kind of, you know, and seeing that the there struggles are of the history. Yeah. And there are two sides to every story. It's, you know, it, there are you know, every battle, the people yeah. that are on the other side think they're right. And had they won, the history would be written their way. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, I used to, we're talking about how she keeps like pairing up with people. I'm like, yeah, it's like she has a cart and she keeps hitching it to the wrong horse. Every yeah. single time. Wrong horse every well, she, single time. She hitches it to the horse that's nearest and yeah. the most recent. It's just like, maybe take some time to get to know people and figure out your actual, I mean, did you pay attention in history class? Do you know who these people are at all? But she does, she does really much, really much, Jesus. Um, <laughs> she does acknowledge the fact that she was trying to deny the South's history. She was yeah. trying to step away from from who she was, who she was, who and as... and then and yeah, and and the ideals that she had as a child. And but to me, that was frustrating. It's like you're not a child anymore. You stopped being a child some time ago. It's time to let go of those. Oh, oh, also be honest, and I don't know. This just popped into my head, um, because you know they keep talking about Syngard, and I'm like. You know, Rin does not strike me as, like, the doctor who gets, like, A's in all classes. I feel like she she had her A classes and her B classes and her C classes, but at the end of the day, she still gets to graduate as a doctor <laughs> because she hit the basics. And so when, like, they're like, you 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 went to Syngard, and she's like, yeah, but strategy wasn't my specialty. <laughs> right, but they explained that because she went off into becoming the shaman rather than, yeah. than um, doing the regular coursework. Who knows where yeah, she would have so, ended up had she ended had she actually made a choice yeah. with the other people that wanted her. Yeah, because she's like, yeah, you keep telling me I should be a commander, but like, I don't actually know what it means to be a commander, and that's because she wasn't trained to be a commander. I feel like that's like taking a pediatrician and making them do, um, like, old people open heart surgery. <laughs> open heart surgery, you know it. it... <laughs> Just because the basic knowledge is there doesn't mean that that's the right person for the job. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'm trying to think. Is there anything else you guys wanted to talk about it? No. Okay. So we then have our ratings that we have to go through on our little, little special Excel document. So let me share my screen. Share. Okay. Oh no, this did not update with Harold the Ninth stuff. Okay. Are you I sure you don't back. have a different file? I don't. Nope, that one's not it. No, I don't. I mean, luckily I can go back and listen and pull the information. Oh, that's right. Thank God. I was like, I know my score was low, but I don't remember what numbers I gave. Yeah, it has. Yeah, okay. So I we won't know what this rates towards Harrow the Ninth in the overall scoring, but I can go back and pull that for next time. Um, but I think Harrow was like just under Gideon, or no? I think Har yeah. Anyways, I can pull that information. I will pull that. So we're gonna just work with what we can. So Kim, 
what was your theme or plot rating for the Dragon Republic? Um, I didn't do this ahead the of time like I usually do. Was that? Oh, was that in your room? He, well, it was somewhere outside, some sort of loud explosion. Yeah, cause I heard. I uh, it sounded from here like a like like a puff of air. Yeah, for me, it sounded uh, like something banged against the wall. Yeah, it sounded like a firework, but times several magnitudes. Damn, I don't know pause? what that was. What am I going to do? Go out there and be like, who exploded things? <laughs> no. no, I don't hear any okay. screaming or sirens. It's fine. Okay, okay. <laughs> Kim, theme or plot? Um, I'll give it a four. A four? I okay. I don't remember. And characters? Um, last time you gave characters a two for this. Okay, yeah, I'm I'm processing the chart now. Um, I'm gonna go with a four on that one. the The characters improved greatly for me. Okay, so what about satisfying ending? I'll give it a two and a half. It's still not ending a, an overall story. <laughs> uh, good mechanics. Four still. It's, she's a okay. very good writer unpredictable uh i'm gonna take that down to a three and a half i think it's getting a little like okay like so you guys were talking about who's winning and who's losing and all of that it's getting a little predictable okay so you gave it an overall of an even 18 so let me put that over here all right under nona the ninth you put that under nona the ninth oh sorry Right. I thought I, I just misaligned my rose. There we go. Yep. Sarah. Theme or plot? <sighs> I'm going to give it a 2.5. Okay. Characters. I am going to give it a three. Satisfying ending. Even though Neza was in this more? Neza was in the other book too. I um, said more. In it more. So you gave the last, last time you gave it a 3.5. I know. Honestly, I don't know where that rating came from because I'm thinking back. I'm like, <laughs> we just had even more random stupid characters we had to deal with. So why did I give it 3.5? Okay. Um. <laughs> So satisfying ending. Satisfying. How did, oh, going to the pirates and I'm gonna give this one a two. Okay. Yeah. Don't be too generous, guys. Good mechanics. Um yeah, give this a four. Okay. And unpredictable. right um i mean i'm gonna what give it a it two because like? i said this isn't right because it's the score is coming out lower than the first book but i feel like <laughs> no i think i did like the first book a little bit better than this one because okay. it's when i just got tired of it going uh, okay. um the hand motion that will not translate audibly it's a wave yeah uh so <laughs> yeah i'm gonna now. give it two for unpredictable though because it was very predictable 
Okay, so you gave it a whole whopping 13.5, which I do know is a higher than your Harrow score, but does not compete with your Skull of It's like score. twice as much, because I think Harrow I didn't even break double digits. Uh, no, Harrow was like seven. Yeah, exactly. Didn't break double digits. Okay, so Sarah gave this one a 13.5. All right, my turn. So for theme or plot, I, you know what, thinking about what the author is trying to dissect here i give it a five i think it's doing exactly what she's promising us um characters i'm gonna give it a 4.5 mostly because i cared more about some of the secondary characters than i did the first book so like the twins i cared about more ramza i cared about more kachai i i cared about more even neza i didn't really like care for neza in the first book and i was more invested this time satisfying ending I think I'm going to take this down to 3.5 only because it definitely feels like each book she's trying to end it with like some big cliffhanger and the cliffhangers don't always land the way I think they're supposed to. Um, yeah. So I, I don't find the endings as satisfying as it's I like want them to be. It's like just a temporary lull. She just cuts it off. and Yeah. It, it like I don't know if it needed to like end a few like chapters beforehand or if we needed a few more chapters. It just it, it ends at a very like Weird. And because of how it ends, it's like, it feels like you could reasonably also end this book at certain other points earlier in the yeah. story and just like chop it up into even more books. Not that you would necessarily want to do that, but like just, yeah, you know, it didn't really feel like an ending ending. It's just. Yeah. Um, in terms of mechanics, five, she's like, this is someone who clearly knows how to structure a story, knows what they're wanting to do, knows what they're referencing, knows how to take it as their own. And has the confidence to write characters that not everyone would like. And take risks. I think that's the big thing. Take risks. Because a lot of other people would be like, oh, they're just white people. As opposed to describing them in such a grotesque way. And I love it. Um, unpredictable. Let me think here. I'm going to go with a 4.5. Mostly because I really did think that that um, middle part where they're at the lake. I, I thought, like you, that Neza was going to, like, unleash the dragon. And I was pleasantly surprised that that did not happen. And instead we got... What? Oh, I didn't... I didn't think they were going to get out of that lake. I was like, they're so totally know. fucked. But you said something about, like, unleashing the dragon or something earlier that you expected, like... A, a yeah, I just expected there to be a conflict between the dragon and Phoenix much earlier. Because I expected, oh, like, the okay. naval battle, I thought that would go more smoothly... I mean, by the time they reached the, the lake, it was like, you guys are, you guys are so dead. Just don't even, yeah. like, they didn't have a choice, but it was like, don't. Yeah. Um, yeah, so. I still thought at that battle that there was going to be some, you know, most of those times there's like the, that magical saving grace. Not that one plummets off of a, like, a waterfall to survive. <laughs> um, you Usually there's something that, like, allows a decent group to escape and it felt like in that it really wasn't it was annihilation at a pretty I mean, I, strong level but in these books at this point like with rin it's like barely escaping with her life is kind of the deus ex machina i expect <laughs> um so again it was like yep that tracks also i just like the mongolian references which is why unpredictable gets more uh so that puts it at 22.5 now i do my magic to add this all up add up formulas that's what i need i mean you know you could just drag it down and then it would have the sum for all of them 
You mean drag it over? No, if you like drag where you have 69, because that one's got a formula in it too, right? Yes. So if you click on it and that. then, but not like select it all, there should be like a little arrow or something in the bottom corner, which I guess I'm not seeing on this. Maybe it's only on, oh, is this Excel or? Okay. Yeah. Nope, I did it. I did it. I just hadn't done that in a while. Okay. Now I do my sorty sorty data sort. Okay, so currently, other than Harrow, because I did not save the numbers, right now, a Deadly Education is in first place still with 69. The Last Graduate is in second place with 58.5. The Dragon Republic is at third place with 54. So this has started to, like, creep up. Uh, Gideon the Ninth is in fifth place with 53.25. And then the popular fourth place. Is... No, Gideon. Oh, fourth place. Fourth place. You're right. I was reading the number five because I lost track. Yeah. Of I'm doing. You're reading the row number. <laughs> I know. Uh, so then, fifth place is the Poppy Wars with fifty three, and I'm pretty sure Harold the Ninth is sixth place. Um, mm. without knowing what the number is. <laughs> and then right now, I have not calculated the entire like trilogy winning. That'll be done at the very end. But for me, the Poppy War is winning. That's my highest rated one. Sarah's highest rated one is the Skullamance. And Kim's highest rated one is the Skullamance as well. So, Kim, you, you need to, like... Oh, no. I Well, yeah, I think you might actually have rated Harold the Ninth higher, but I don't think you did. I'm not sure. But, yeah, hard to say because there's a lot of threes on her the last graduate, so Yeah. Could could be higher. Let's see here. I'm pretty, I don't know. Yeah. I had forgotten that Harrow wasn't in these. So but the next one that we are doing is that we are returning to finish off the Skullamance with the Golden Enclaves. Um, which will be interesting because none of us have read that book. So we are getting into the first round of the books actually being that none of us have read them. And who knows, one of these authors could turn around and, like, give us the best ending ever and just completely upset and change these numbers entirely. I'm not sure that that's going to happen. But you never know. Or, you know, Kim and I will get tired of Sarah book winning and just start underrating it to make things even. <laughs> I mean, you can if you start. Videos. If you start I'm... with that, then I know to just rate everything zero from there on out. So... <laughs> No, I always rate honestly. honestly. Which, I mean, given the fact that my ratings are always rather generous <laughs> compared to you two. <laughs> you know. Okay, so, on that note, our intro and outro music is by Grant Newman and is called The Battle of the Nile from Epidemic Sound. Don't forget to like, rate, and subscribe to Book Pile Banter on Spotify, Amazon Music, iTunes, or whichever platform you listen to your podcasts. We'd love to hear from you on any of our social media platforms, such as Instagram or TikTok. You can find us at book under... You can find us at book underscore pile underscore banter. You can also support us on bookshop.org. Sarah is laughing her ass right now off. <laughs> um, my words have failed and I have broken Sarah. 
our link is available <laughs> on our social media. You can email us at bookpilebanter at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. <laughs> you okay there, Sarah? Just peachy. Just peachy? Oh, that, yeah, that's not standing in my morning. Let's stop sharing. <laughs>